And we're live. Welcome, everyone, back to The Awakened Catholic Show. I am your host, Nick Delatore. Today I have with me a very special woman who is um, a, a fellow Select International Tours uh, sponsorette. Well, how would you? We're, we're on the, we are on the receiving end of the sponsorships from Select International Tours, an incredible company. Uh, Brooke, thank you for being with me here today. It is an honor. I've just been admiring your broadcasting prowess for the last oh, day or so, and now I get to actually... <laughs> Be included. It's I appreciate that. This is definitely um, abnormal. I, I normally am not running all this while doing the show and juggling and live and noise. It, it's it's it's, it's been it's fun. But you've got the background in your home in the other studio. Yeah, it's here. kind of a replica. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you, Brooke. Thank you. Today we're going to be. If you notice the title of the video, it's uh, Hooters to Jesus, um, and basically we're going to be talking about Brooke's story. Uh, she was once, uh, I'm assuming, a waitress at Hooters. Is that? I was a hostess. A hostess. Okay. I was, yeah. All right. So, so yeah, uh, they were they were they were interested in Brooke you know, as an opportunity to lure people into the restaurant, get them excited about their dinner. And um, we're, so, we're so excited to have you with us here, Brooke. We're so excited that Jesus uh, brought you back home. Amen. The Holy Spirit. Uh, so all of that conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about modesty, uh, which is apparently relevant to this discussion. All of that is coming up right after this. Welcome, everyone, to The Awakened Catholic Show. Again, I'm your host, Nick Delatore. And today, before we dive into this really riveting and exciting conversation, I got to tell you about the sponsor of this episode, Select International Tours. They've sponsored this episode, our presence here at uh, the Momentum 21 Conference with the Catholic Marketing Network. In fact, they've sponsored both Brooke and I, uh, both Brooke and Awakened Catholic here at the Momentum Conference. If you don't know about Select International Tours, highly recommend that you check them out. They're an incredible company, incredible people working there. We love being partners with them. Uh, and we're going on two pilgrimages this year with them that you should check out to uh, Paris and Lourdes and the Holy Land. And um, that sounded like three pilgrimages, but the, the France ones are all one. Uh, if you want to join me at the Holy Land uh, pilgrimage, please do. I'll be going with Alina, my wife. Um, and they have so many other pilgrimages, including Brooks. Brooks. Brooks, do you want to tell them about your pilgrimage? Yep, it's Oberammergau, which similar to your itinerary, it includes France, but also we're doing Munich and we are going to Lourdes. So it's fantastic next June, 2022. All right, fantastic. So to learn more about all of that, make sure to visit selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken, or what's your tag? BTS, Brooke Taylor Show. Brooke Taylor Show, BTS, yeah. or Behind the Scenes, or the K-pop band. Anyways, <laughs> um, Brooke, we're here, thanks to Select International Tours, amazing people. Um, we, we had a show scheduled, actually, before this conference. Uh, we were gonna have, I was going to have you as a virtual guest on my show last week, and um, it was either the Holy Spirit or the devil uh, that was like, uh-uh, you're not doing this show. You know what, devil and Holy Spirit, we're doing the show, all right, whether you like it or not. Amen. Hopefully hopefully the Holy Spirit and likes it. I felt really good, actually, that you had technical difficulties because it, it happens feel good to, to me. us all. Well, I know, <laughs> but it does to me. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's just part of yeah. life, but it was good. And I'm, fi I'm glad to finally actually meet you in person. Same so here, same here. Yeah. yeah, it's been great to meet you and Deacon. We're going to yeah. do an episode with Deacon Harold in a little bit today. Um, and it's just it's all the people here. This whole conference, um, I, was, I was sharing in, in my last episode, I think with Father Frank Pavone, I was telling him... Uh, you know, uh, Kathy Gilmore, who is running a lot of the show, she had told me for for months leading up to this, like, oh, you're going to love the people there. Everyone just wants to collaborate and partner and stuff. And I was just like, sure. 
I'm sure that everyone just wants to collaborate and partner and that there's zero sense of competition or whatever. But I got here and everybody is amazing. And everybody is, every conversation I've had with people, it's like, oh, we could help each other with this and we can do this together and it'd be so fun and blah, blah, blah. And it really is beautiful how like, we can get past that if we choose to. Like we can, we can really partner, we can work together. Um, Kevin and I were just talking before we did this episode, this idea that like, if we're all headed to the same place, if we're all trying to get at least to purgatory, then you know we're, we're all on the same rails. Like why aren't we just connecting the, the train cars and just joining each other on this journey and you know joining each other in the mission of bringing other people with us? We need to, and now more than ever, I think it's very evident we are in a battle. So yes. we're all on this same army and we need each other. So it's been yeah. encouraging and you feel that in the opening conference, in the mass, in the presentations you spoke, you feel that. So, yes. and we really need it. It's really edifying, I absolutely. feel. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, it is interesting too, uh, for, for people like us and some of the other podcasters that Select International brought, um, we're gonna do a panel tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, about the, the power of podcasting. And I think, um, you know, we, we have like this new age of, of technology and uh, accessibility and we like leveraging that for the kingdom, leveraging that to reach people where they're at is so huge. One of the things in the, the, the opening remarks of that we'll touch on, and you have John Paul II right here who was the most well-traveled yeah. Pope, Holy Father that we ever have is looking at Fulton Sheen, looking at Mother Angelica, looking at Father Patrick Payton and the way they use the media to evangelize. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you and I are broadcasting now and people really have access to podcasting, it's beautiful, but it's also a really important responsibility. And I think yeah. I know you take it seriously. So that's one of the things that we're going to zero in on is when you consider those three, the souls they saved and the impact that they had, not just on Catholic media, which was profound, but on the entire world. Yes. That's incredible shoulders that we stand on. So yes. I think it's neat to kind of step back and be reminded and recommitted to the purpose. So I'm looking forward to that session because yeah. Uh, we have a powerhouse. We have a whole group. Deacon yeah. Harold will be there, mm -hmm. Danielle Bean, uh, and we have a whole group that will be there. I totally agree. And, and as you were talking now, it reminded me of Mother Angelica uh, and uh, God rest her soul um, and her story about how she started EWTN, um, the Eternal Word Television Network, right? And and I remember she talked about this this vision that she received of um, of an angel uh, carrying the word of God through the air. And in discerning that vision, she ended up translating that to meaning that she wanted, uh, or that God was uh, calling her to start this television program, which, which at that time, cutting edge, like starting a worldwide Catholic television uh, network, that's cutting edge. And it was, you know, the airwaves, the television signals, whatever, like, uh, and, and maybe she started with radio. I don't remember. But but the point is, like, it, that that foresight to say, like, nobody else is doing this. I'm going to do it anyways. And, and we're going to try to do it the best we can. But I think that's why people like her keep us going, because it makes no sense right. to, to love Christ and to folly, to be yes. fools, because she was a cloistered nun. She had no experience. She yes. wasn't a journalist. Yes. And to... What Kathy Gilmore said, I think she was speaking with you, is that we need to be leapers yeah. to leap. And obviously it's with being well-formed mm -hmm. to hear the voice of God and yes. to, to discern that. But 
that is also exciting. And she has helped me leap more than once because look how it turned out. And so often because at the end of us is where we find God. And Absolutely. a lot of times we don't want to go to the end of ourselves. Yeah. So yeah. I love that not only initially she gave us that example, but throughout to be on TV wearing a patch mm-hmm. on her eye yeah. after she has a stroke. Yeah. Because she has a mission. She has a job to do. So yeah. she's going to forget herself. to serve. And I really, I struggle with scrupulosity. So I mm. really appreciate that. I've because... been meaning to talk to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to be replaying this conversation in that sentence. You know, this is what happened. But um, who is it? Was it St. Uh, tra- Julia Billiard? She not would familiar. not even allow, she would not even allow her sisters to correct when she misspelled a word that she was writing a letter to the bishop because she wanted to allow God to work her through Mm. her despite her faults. Interesting. And I love that because so often, especially the benefit of what I do in podcasting is it's pre-recorded. I used to do live radio and that is a different energy. I love live radio, but pre-recording, I find I can almost get obsessive because, and and you know, you, you're a recording artist, you're, you're a live performer also. And I have, you have to be careful with that. Yeah, and so, we actually, Awakened Catholic content, we used to, when we launched, we initially had four shows, and we used to pre-record everything and edit everything. And now, you know, we're using like a video switcher and stuff, but at the time, we were simply putting in a little memory card in each camera, and then in post-production, we would combine all three of the cameras and then have to edit in post-production which camera angle was live at any given moment. And literally for a single episode that was anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes, it could represent eight hours of post-production and it was untenable. And so we had to Mm -hmm. take a very serious look at making investments uh, for sustainability in a video switching uh, operation where by the time they finished recording, the episode was essentially produced. And, you know, barring some terrible atrocity that was accidentally said or, or something weird happening like the kids screaming in the background, you know, barring things like that. That's not weird at all. It's not, well, it depends <laughs> on the show and what the vibe right. of the conversation is, I guess. But, um, but yeah, so I, I totally agree with you. And even right now, you know, uh, Mother Angelica's eye patch in our, in our situation right now is this convention center Wi-Fi is making our live streams uh, intermittently super choppy. So like right now it seems smooth, but in like two seconds it could be super choppy. And you know what? We're here and we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the faith and we're doing it regardless of the choppiness. And that's okay. I will say, I struggle with this too because as Catholics, I'm not, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a professed religious. So as a broadcaster and as a faithful Catholic, it's really important that I'm scrupulously accurate with what I say, yeah. meaning I don't want to say something in error. So I think for me, it comes from a good place because I want to make sure that what I'm putting out there is correct teaching. It's faithful yes. to the magisterium. It's honoring our Lord. So that's where the scrupulosity comes in because I also just, Lord, use me through, as yeah. Mother Teresa says, I am a pencil in your hand and that um, may he increase, I decrease. And so what do, you, what do you do to navigate that being like, being not a theologian, like it might not be easy to catch something you said that wasn't accurate. You know what I mean? Like, how do you navigate filtering that or, or being? For me, I script all of my shows, oh, really? every word of my show. Oh, wow. You can't tell because hopefully I do a good job. I've been in broadcasting yeah. for most of my adult life, even as a teenager. But through that, what I do is I, I have an enormous time frame that I research. So I only have a show once a week. If I had a show once a day, it would be a lot more difficult. I would mm-hmm. need a team. Because I think I owe it to my listeners if they're coming to me yeah, that I sure. know what I'm talking about, Absolutely. that I've prepped, because they can tell. Mm-hmm. And I, 
and I know we'll talk about this in our pre presentation tomorrow. I know there are different shows, but for me, I want to make sure that I'm honoring the time that my listeners come and I give them the meat every time. Mm -hmm. And that when I script out what I'm saying, it doesn't mean that I follow it verbatim, mm -hmm. but at least I have something that I can go back to that is solid. I'm not going to get lost on rabbit, which sometimes rabbit trails are fine. Yeah, sure. But if you are talking, for example, if I'm interviewing someone on the history of sacred music, mm -hmm. Immediately, I don't have a library of resources in my brain that I can just recall. Sure. I don't have a degree in musicology. Yeah, right. But I spend time researching. I pull quotes. I pull references. Mm -hmm. And so that way, I can easily refer to it. Yeah. And I just think that it makes things go smoother. And I know that I can trust what I've written is yeah. correct. Well, to me, it's, it's similar to, um, I think a lot of people, like there's different types of podcasts you can listen to. And, uh, and I don't just mean different themes and topics. I mean different approaches to podcasting. And it's similar to me to like the written word. In the written word, there are people who write books on a topic. And there are people who might write blogs or tweets. And like tweets can be, tweets have their place. And following certain types of people on Twitter has its place. And, and there's value in that. But it's not the same type of value as reading a book where it's super meticulous and well-researched. And I think that... Um, the type of podcast that you're delivering, there is such a huge market for because people want, if they have a 10 minute commute, they want to turn it on and they want to know that in that 10 minutes, they're going to get a ton of crap out of it in a good way. Um, <laughs> a ton of good things, not, not a fecal, uh, colloquial fecal matter reference. But um, anyways, so, but I, I really love that you're doing that, taking the time to do that. Some of the shows on Awaken Catholic, even on our platform, we have a, a huge, I'm going to say swath. Is that a word? Great. I'm Cuban, so sometimes I don't know if what I'm saying swath are real works. words. Um, we have a swath of, of, of different approaches to the podcasting, right? So like uh, Andrew Reinhardt, uh, the host of Physically Spiritual, it's a lot more like what you're describing. He's super meticulous. He's researched everything ahead of time, and, and he's hitting points in a really deliberate way. Um, and then we have like Elevate Ordinary, which it's a husband and wife, and they just have conversations where they're working through bullet points and um, just talking about the things that have helped them in their family, and it's just a, a conversation. And I would equate that more to like the Twitter approach, which is, is maybe less meticulous, but it, you know that the people that you're following are people that you want to emulate or you want to grow from or whatever. Um, and so in, in my show, my show is, is typically more conversational because I'm, I'm engaging a, a guest and helping my audience learn more about the guest and their mission and stuff. And I just think that there's, this gets back to the, the whole you know, train ride to purgatory, like all of us have a place in this equation and we all have gifts and a unique way in which we're approaching it that we should be teaming up. We should be you know, connecting our train cars. And pointing back to the incarnate God, it, whether it's just a spontaneous conversation or a yeah. well-researched investigative segment. And I'll give you a preview a little bit of in the presentation tomorrow, I have a quote from philosopher Marshall McLuhan, and he was, I think, the, the biggest researcher that I know has the body of research of the media and the impact on the human person. Mm. He also was Catholic. A lot of people didn't know. I didn't know until I really did a deep dive. But he talks about how with the age of media, we, in a sense, become discarnate. Our oh, voice yeah. is everywhere, mm -hmm. and we are like angels. So everything we do, ha we have a responsibility to point back to the incarnate God. Mm -hmm. And I just love that truth because we have this voice, this message. Mm -hmm. We have this power, in a sense, to be like the angels. And yes. so we have to be pointing to truth, to speaking yeah. truth. That's always the fundamental. That's and so whether you're just joking or singing, 
I mean, yeah. singing is huge. That uh, You see it, you live it, where it moves people, mm -hmm. uh, it elevates them to heaven, that that has to be our main goal. So, yeah. And that's what I love about Awaken. I mean, in the word, the fully alive, that's my mission as well, mm. that you awaken us to that truth. Mm. Amen. Yeah, and, and for me, it's really an overflowing from my own story and like what I found when I came back to faith and really came to faith for the first time in an authentic way, I was awakening the graces from the sacraments of my entire childhood. I was awakening uh, who I was really supposed to be. Uh, and, and I really hope that in what we're doing, that we can help bring that to other people, that other people who are nominally engaged or entirely unengaged or entirely repulsed by faith, that they might be able to hear the truth in a way that was never shown to them before. And I think that um, who you are and your story, I think that you're doing that in, in, in a very important way as well. Um, so what, do you have like a, a consistent theme that you fall back on in your thing? Is there kind of an overarching, uh, what, what is like the, the vibe other than that it's scripted and well-prepared? <laughs> Nobody knows that. Oh, well, crap. That it's scripted. It's not scripted. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, it's fine. It's good. Wait, I'm not you, hiding you said anything. This. But you said I it on did. I just, I hope <laughs> that when people listen, they just get a great conversation yeah. and solid content and they don't know kind of the behind the scenes because mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's the... That's, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. So my show, I always say that it's a lifestyle show. I talk a little bit about our own journey. And I have, I'm married. My husband's an Army veteran. And we've been married for 21 years. We have five children. And we have an adopted daughter who has special needs. And so she's really the princess, mm -hmm. our Polish princess. She's adopted from Poland. But really what has developed over time is it's interview-based. That's mm -hmm. really a lot of my background. So I take compelling... Uh, Father Simon Ishaki. He's a big TikTok star. Oh, my gosh. And I got to look at that up. He's so great. He's a huge TikTok star. He actually was doxxed because he made a comment about traditional marriage. And so he had to start all over again. He had oh to start his gosh. account all over again. He's a Chaldean Catholic, originally from Iraq. They are awesome. And so they are. Yeah. And so I had him on the show just talking about the way that he evangelizes in the culture and through young demographic as well to, um, again, the sacred music, this, this professor of, of sacred music, about how we went from chant to the music that we have today, the vehicle how beautiful chant is and why there's still a need for it. And he explains everything, Ambrosian chant to Benedictine chant. And so a lot of, I hope, um, guess that if you're Catholic, you're going to just grow deeper in your faith yeah. and, and become fully alive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're fully alive now. You're getting there. Trying to be. Trying to be. Okay, <laughs> but there was a day, there was a time where you were less so awake, less so fully alive in your faith and, and in who God was calling you to be. Um, I, our, our viewers, listeners, they've probably heard my story a million times. Uh, I, want, I want to hear your story. I know that there's some, some congruency. Um, uh, I myself was never a Hooters waitress uh, or, or hostess, sorry. Uh, but, but in terms of like where one would be at mentally, spiritually, uh, while being a Hooters hostess, uh, I was definitely there. You know, I was, I was definitely um, entirely uh, unaware of my own dignity. I was, I was confused about like my own, uh, manhood and, and, uh, my role in relationships with women, my role in uh, my relationship with God. I was, I was, if I were a girl, I would have worked at Hooters if I, you know, uh, but so walk me through, like you told me you're a revert. So you're, you're a kid growing up Catholic. Mm -hmm. I was too. Um, how did, how did things go from there to where it ended up? I just got lost. I lost myself, like a lot of people do. And my mom grew up in the convent. 
Oh, wow. She was a sister with the Notre Dame order in Toledo, Ohio. No way. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you know the sisters? I do know the sisters I just, in Notre Dame. I just that all clicked in my mind. Yeah, oh, that's, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. So that's where she grew up and went to school. Okay. And she was... Um, she was a novice, so at that time they actually had to cut all their hair off. And she said, I abandoned the world. It was one of the greatest wow. days of her life. And um, so she had her novitiate, postulant, and then she broke her back and left the convent. Oh, was and it their fault? Is it like, screw you guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't believe no. <laughs> you did this to me. <laughs> but she didn't want to leave, of course. That was yeah. what she knew. She didn't want to be in the world. Mm -hmm. She loved her family, but that was her life. So she went home. And then during that time, she met my dad. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't, I, I suppose there was a scandal, but there wasn't in that she discerned out. And so everything went through the proper channels. It was the proper time for that to happen if it was going to happen. Right. That's yeah. right. And she, the reason I'm sharing that is because the piety that she had in the convent has remained. I mean, this, oh, is, this is my mom. And yeah. she is so devout in her, in her Marian devotions, in the way that she raised us. My dad, not as much, but towards the end of his life, he came around. And so I grew up in a very Catholic home in, in that regard. We didn't pray the dinner prayer. We prayed the rosary. Um, and it was a different time. I think my mom, she was at church all the time, and she sang the songs to us, and she obviously formed us well. But as a teenager, you're listening to all the different voices. I can't imagine now for young women and young men just because of social media. They didn't have that. Yeah. In my older years, I am now. But, um, and so you're listening. For me, I'm listening. I have the voice of God. I have the voice of my parents. I have the voice of my boyfriend. I have the voice of my peers. I have yeah. the voice of the culture, which at that time, Howard Stern was really big. And, well, and he's still trying to be. Yeah. And that was, I'm a radio. I'm a radio. That's my background. So I yeah. got into radio at a young age through theater. I guess I was kind of discovered there was a local um, radio program director who had seen me in a play, and he said, have you ever thought about radio? Mm. And I was hooked right away. I loved it. I loved radio. And this is, back in the day, it was reel-to-reel. -reel. It was eight-track tapes for spots. So you were DJing? I was, yeah. Not like in the club, but it DJ was. DJ Brooke Taylor. It was the, the live. House. You had to put a three-minute song on, run yeah. to the bathroom. Now, of course, it's all automated. Yeah, it, yeah. This was before that. And you so, don't even really get to pick the songs nowadays, right? Right, it's all it's all in a list yeah. the music director will select, yeah, yeah depending on, on the format. But I loved it. And I am an introvert, so mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that I could connect with people really close, heart to heart, but I wasn't in a party. So I can do I do well on stage and yeah. I do well in this because that's where I'm able to share my heart, I mm -hmm. think. But if it's walking into you said you were an introvert, walking into a room. Yep and just having to socialize with a random person, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. So I knew, I felt like, okay, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. But through radio, and it was secular, there's so much that, that you justify. Mm -hmm. And again, it's the Howard Stern era. Mm -hmm. So I have that voice forming me. I have my church, but I wasn't fully alive. So, of course, we're chasing. We're trying to figure out who we are mm -hmm. and chasing everything that I thought would bring me happiness, what my identity was, mm -hmm. which is a buzzword right now, identity. Yep. So, and this is where my heart breaks so much for young adults and kids because yes. I was there and you are so confused. Yep. The teenage, middle school is tough. The teenage yep. years are tough. And so through radio, it just became my identity. Then Top 40 Radio. I worked in country radio and then Top 40 Radio. And, of course, 
in Top 40 Radio, you have, at that time, it was Britney Spears, it was Christina Aguilera. Mm, hit me, baby, one more time. And my mom, this is what I feel now that I'm a, my oldest is 20, I feel so, my heart is with my mom, is it's so hard for parents to win. She knew that through, she's a very gentle, wonderful mom. So she's not really, I'm, I'm more of, I ride the hard edge. You know, I really, and I have boys. So sometimes you have to be, I feel like you have to be firmer with boys. Yeah. But she would just say, hey, there's confession on Saturday. Cool. Do you want to go? And I would do bar gigs. I would do bar gigs for, with my radio job. And so you just very quickly get pulled into, well, this is my identity. I right. am empowered. And this is where I'm getting attention. Whether we like it, whether we realize it or not, mm -hmm. this is why we're so, we're so full of selves and we need to be emptied. Mm -hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about humility. It's not being humiliated. It's just understanding the truth about ourselves mm -hmm. that we need, we need our Lord, we need our Lady, we need the intercession of the saints, mm -hmm. the sacraments, all the graces yeah. that come. But the affirmation that we can receive from our peers or people that make us feel good about ourselves, like that is very seductive. Like it, it really... Can, can suck us in into a world that is unhealthy for us and in, into roles, activities. Uh, I mean, that's what, I mean, it's peer pressure, right? It's, it's, it's intoxicating when someone is affirming us because of giving into one of these vices or, or circumstances that we know we shouldn't be in. It's like, oh, but I'm accepted here and it feels right. good. And we're, we're trying, we're building, we're building our identity, we're building our life. And so yeah. this is what I was building. I was building this empowered woman that I could do whatever I wanted. I could wear whatever I wanted. And that made me free. Mm -hmm. And it really just made me used up. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't promiscuous, but in terms of my soul and where it led me. So I did eventually get a job at Hooters going back to the Howard Stern generation, mm -hmm. which is so sad. I, the damage of that lifestyle, uh, Hugh Hefner, you know, this was yep. the glory days. And by the way, I just saw there was a new book that came out. One of the Hugh Hefner wives, I don't remember, she writes a book and she talks about, it was like a Jeffrey Epstein kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So those at the time, yeah. right. And she talks about how trapped she felt. And I, and again, by the grace of God, go I, any of us, because you want to be loved, you want to be accepted, you want to feel beautiful. Yes. And so working there for me was a community. It was a sorority. There were a lot of women. We rooted for each other. A lot of us were, were broken, damaged, had some drama in our lives, but it was, it was our family. And, mm -hmm. and again, it's our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they rest in you. So whether it's a young man who gets involved in gangs mm -hmm. or... Um, you just, this is where you're finding your identity. Yeah. And I didn't, kind of skipping ahead, I didn't share it. I, I've been ashamed of it for so many years, ever since I came back to my faith, because I didn't want to bring shame to my children, my sons. I teach yeah. them, my husband and I, very deliberately about the dignity of the human person, about yeah. feminine genius. Yeah. And so now that my children, my boys are older, I actually just shared with them, which then made me feel like I could share it publicly because my heart hurts for these young women. Yeah. I see myself in them, yeah. young women who go to Catholic schools and they're wearing and they are, they're objectifying okay. their own body. And I don't say that out of judgment. There's this push right now about toxic purity, oh which gosh. just is, makes no sense. But very little That's does so make upsetting. sense these days. That's so upsetting. And, um, you know, our bodies are so sacred. Yeah. And I, thankfully, by the grace of God, was able to walk it back. And he was able to 
to rescue me from the mire because I could have gone any number of directions. Mm -hmm. I know for you, so many of us, this is our story where you just think, you know those books where like you turn to this page and if you want to pick this ending, you go here. Mm -hmm. And if it hadn't been really for then working in Christian radio and meeting my husband, that helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Because what happened is I realized when I got to that point is I wasn't happy because I thought that was going to be it. Mm -hmm. Is I was living this lifestyle, I felt good, I looked good, I was getting attention and I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And I felt, I felt used Mm. that I was giving people momentary um, excitement or- For a minute, yeah. yeah. And then, and if if that didn't happen, if there was a rejection, then I felt like, oh, well, I guess I'm not- I'm worthless. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so common. Yep. it took a long time, but um, but I'm just grateful for God. Yeah, I want to applaud you. I remember when I got the initial email from my assistant, and you had responded for like for your show topic that you wanted to address this, and I was just like, "Whoa, that's very bold." Uh, and I didn't know the context that you really haven't been open about this yet, which makes it even more powerful. And and I I want to applaud you and affirm your decision to kind of come out with this because. There are so many hurting people. There are those women working at Hooters right now, or maybe even working in strip clubs, or maybe even prostituting themselves. Um, or, or there are men who are, uh, you know, the conquest is the game for them. The conquest of women is what makes them find their identity and feel like they're worth anything. Um, or, or for women, you know, the promiscuity making them feel desired, you know. Like there are so many hurting people and it never stops. Like, like for the men, like the next, oh, the, you know, I'm going to keep conquesting and it's going to make me feel like a man. Like, you're just going to keep feeling like garbage. And women, like, I'm just going to keep, you know, sleeping with guys because it's going to make me whatever. No, you're, you're just going to feel like garbage. And, and there's so much pain and people need to hear that you can come out of that. There, people need to hear that God can save from that. Like, it isn't just some cheesy thing that's written on a, a poster from an annoying evangelical Christian on the side of the street yelling at you, telling you you're going to hell. Like, it's a very real thing that you have experienced. You have encountered the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit and and the healing found in the sacraments and in the the sacramental life of the church and and in community in the church. Like, people need to know that witness. Like, I hate that I have to talk about pornography and, and all the different addictions that I've wrestled with, sexual addiction. I hate that I have to stand in front of audiences to talk about that, but I love the end of that story. And people need to hear that. And I can't tell you the number of times that people have come up to me after that witness in tears, telling me that they were on the brink of suicide like I was. They're telling me that they were, I, I, I had a parish mission. I've, I've talked about this a couple times on my show in, in another context. And um, there, you know, there was a woman that was about to turn herself over to uh, sex trade, or what is it called? Uh, yeah. A human trafficking, yeah. that's what I'm looking for, uh, to make it easier to get opioids. And it's like, there's so much pain and we just need to see, like she, from my witness, and I didn't even have the same story. I wasn't in sex trafficking or into opioids, but I had my addictions and I had my darkness and I had my meaninglessness. But in Christ and the redemption and the power that can we, we can display through our witness, like, thank you for being brave and thank you for, um, for your yes to testifying to that power. Well, of course, I, I mean, it's God's grace. And I think as I see young women today, your heart just goes out to them because and it's, it's also an anger that goes with that mm. because they're getting too close. So you see that when, and it's like a demon, when you get close, they recoil. Yes. And, and it's the whole 
current of the culture. I can do what I want. I can be what I want. And it's so superficial. I think of the years that I spent, and people, people listened to me, believe it or not, on radio. And it was like, I had no life experience. Mm. I had no business really even offering insight on some of these topics that we talked about. Granted, most of them were very superficial. They're celebrity gossip, mm. like a lot of what the top 40 stations are. Mm -hmm. And that was what the world was for me. And everything changed when I came back to my faith. It was this hunger for intellect and truth mm -hmm. and reading great, deep, theological, philosophical, anthropological books and thinking, I feel like I have this parallel universe. I was just on the yeah. surface all this time. Yeah. And there was this deep well of yeah. beauty, truth, and goodness just waiting. And I, I was saying no because I wanted to talk about Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears, mm -hmm. that's really pathetic. Yeah. And so it was like the Lord showed that to me and you live mm -hmm. in that lifestyle long enough and by God's grace, you realize one day, is this, is this all there is? Yeah. Is yeah, like people say, people have said in history like that religion is the opioid of the ma masses and maybe that was even Karl Marx, I forget. It was some, it, it's been said. And, um, and I, I, I think that, you know, the tabloid culture, the, the celebrity gossip, like that's the fricking opioid of the masses. Yeah. Like distracting people with bull crap that doesn't matter to you in your life and, and making your life centered around that. Like I know people that in my past that I've have just been obsessed with that stuff. And it's like, why do you care? Why do you care? Now what I see is I feel like men have less tolerance than mm. because women are more social. We have our friend yeah. networks and so we get sucked into that. Yeah. So I do think it's something that we in any way, if you are a Christian, if you're Catholic, we have to try to practice asceticism. Yes. And that is always for our good. Yes. That we don't like to suffer. We don't like to deprive ourselves of, of pleasure or instant gratification. Mm -hmm. But if that's your thing, if you know that you struggle with gossip, to try to say, okay, this is where I need to work that muscle. Yes. Or whatever it is, because it's the, it's the our hearts are restless. We're always looking for the thing to fill that, that God-shaped hole. Yes. So I think for me... And I worked at, at the Hooters at, at two different locations. And I think about all the things that could have happened to me because the one place I lived, I lived in a downtown city and I would take a bus. By, I lived um, with a group of girls. And I think, I cannot believe that God spared me mm. when I think of how I was living. And that really is, I would say this for a lot of women, and that the culture always gives pushback and says, well, it's not the women's fault, it, woman's fault if they would get attacked, yeah. but you put yourself in these positions mm -hmm. where if you value yourself, if you respect yeah. yourself, if you value your life, that it's so casual. And whether it's the sex in the city or the friends where you would just meet a guy at the bar and go home, mm -hmm. you're, you're putting your life in your hands. You don't know this person, mm -hmm. let alone to give them your body. Yes. So I just think there needs to be so much formation, you know, that our parents, our parents need to take responsibility yeah. for their faith and the faith of their children. Yeah. And I see that a lot too, because working in Christian radio, and then when I really had my reversion and parents would say, well, how are you living it out at home? We mm -hmm. go to mass, we might pray the rosary, but, but what do you do? And that I feel like was a, a classroom that our Lord put me in to say, what are all the different mm -hmm. ways? I grew up with what my mom had infused our home with, but it's endless. There's so many things that we yeah. could do. I just had a conversation about this yesterday with um, uh, the, the Tobit uh, CEO uh, or president or CEO, I forget. Um, but she, uh, we were talking about what can we do? I mean, they've, they've literally formulated 
um, materials to help both Catholic schools and, and just parents uh, teach their kids about theology of the body, and they have age-appropriate ways of doing this. They have these different books, materials. Um, so that's one example of, of many, but but a great one of, of how we can help our young people not make the same stupid mistakes we've made. You know what Father Heilman said this morning? I happened to hear him. He was He's um, one of the founders of Grace Force, and he was here, and he was saying that if we want to reach the young people, the teenagers, and yes, we need to make sure that the parents are stepping up, but it's the dads. And that was really good because I do a lot of things for women. I have a big women's ministry, and even in uh, my own parish, we'll do women's groups, we'll do women's events. And he just had so much great advice. He said, men don't want to get in a circle and talk about their feelings. He said, have them get on their knees like knights and pray the rosary, lead their family in the rosary, maybe go to adoration. If it's a men's group, do that, Mm -hmm. and then go out for beer and pizza. Like that, that's a man's way. I was like, that is so good. And through, you think of the men that know theology, the body, and how they're teaching that to their their young sons and their young daughters. That's where the transformation Absolutely. is. And it's not the toxic masculinity. It is the powerful, mm-hmm. beautiful, holy, knight in shining armor, sacred chivalry that yeah. we really need. Yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you're watching or listening um, and you are someone that has struggled with uh, purity, with, with understanding your body's w- worth and dignity and how it's a part of you and that you are a gift to the world from God and and you are a gift to other people in, in a million different ways. If, if you ha- are in a life that you're just like, how did I get here and why, why is this happening? Um, there, there is an out, there is a way to, to put it to an end and, and to live fully alive, to find joy and peace and richness of life um, and love. And first and foremost, that is in God and his love, his mercy, his sacraments. Um, and, and then in the church and the broader community and so, Brooke, if people want to reach out to you, um, what's the best way for them to do that? So my website is Brooke Taylor. It's Brooke with an E, brooktaylor.us. And I also have a podcast, as you know, mm-hmm. and also pilgrimages and in a blog, which I don't really write anymore, but also on social media, because as I shared, a big part of my testimony now, a lot of what I share is our, our journey with our daughter, also all five of our children, but she has autism and yeah. that alone that alone has been an extraordinary um, walk in grace and beauty and redemptive suffering, mm-hmm. resurrection. Mm-hmm. So she's 11 years old and um, her life is a sermon. So I just say, follow me and you'll follow Carolina yeah. and she will lead you to heaven yeah. because she's beautiful. And your social media posts pretty much are blogs. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were talking about Twitter. That's why I can't do Twitter because oh, you're yeah. limited in the characters. Yeah, yeah. So I really struggle. No, but with they that, are but. good. Like, and following the stories <laughs> of a couple of things that have taken place recently with her, and and it's it's really beautiful because you always then followed it up with another post, like, and here's why it ended up okay. Uh, so it, it is, it's mm-hmm. awesome. So please uh, follow Brooke. Um, so brooktaylor.com. That's Brooke with an e at the end of it, and Taylor with an e. No. Or, dang uh, it. And then it's dot us. Taylor with an o. <laughs> Man, I knew I'd get that wrong. All right. Dot us. You'll find it anyway. Yeah. Hopefully. Brooktaylor.us. Um, all right. Thank you, Brooke, for being on the Awakened Catholic Show. It's been a pleasure to have you here. I'm glad we finally made this happen. And you'll be on mine, so we'll have to cross-promote. Yes. Because, yeah. Absolutely. You got it. You got it. We're, we're uh, hitching our train cars, <laughs> taking you all to heaven with us, whether you like it or not. That's not how that works. You have to want to do it, too. Um, <laughs> it was all right. a nice analogy, though. It worked Because we're all Ish. connected. Yes. So, absolutely. Yeah. 
this episode has been sponsored by Select International Tours. Uh, please uh, support Select. Check out the pilgrimages that are happening, both the ones with Awaken and with Brooke, and then there's so many others as well. Uh, visit selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken. Select, thank you for all you do for us and for uh, joining the Awaken family. Um, and before you go, everybody, I have been Nick Delatore. This has been The Awakened Catholic Show, and I just need you to know one thing. Jesus loves you. <laughs>